can still talk for a second. Okay, I think we're ready to get started. Um, I know there's a there's a bit of a lag between when we start and when people on YouTube will see this. So um, I'm just going to uh, I'm going to start doing introductions and then also start kind of acknowledging people as they join. Um, we're trying a new format this time around. We've we've done one of these info sessions previously, and we're trying a new format with kind of a new streaming service, and so. We appreciate your patience with us as we get this up and running. Um, welcome to our, uh, this is our second um, online info session. Uh, we do a lot of info sessions around the state. We're Prenda and um, uh, we, we're trying to help people understand what we're all about uh, with the micro schooling concept and what we call the neighborhood school reimagined. So um, I'm sort of gonna act as an MC. My name's Kalen Sharp. Uh, my screen is the one that you're seeing right now, and um, but I'm going to try to stay quiet unless it's it's relevant. I, I'm sort of just trying to orchestrate and direct kind of how, how things go with questions and the streaming and everything else. So um, Rochelle, who is uh, works with our, our recruiters and, and does a ton of um, these events all over the state, is going to be doing a lot of talking, as well as Kelly Smith, our CEO and founder, who, um, who started Prenda. So we also have on the call with us um, Katie Broadbent, who works on the learning model and the, the content. Um, she does a ton of stuff. Uh, and so she's here to answer questions as well. So with that, I'm going to kick it off and hand it over to Kelly and, uh, and let him get started explaining what Prenda is. Thanks, Kaylin. Hi, everybody. It's weird to not see you, but I believe you to be there. It's, uh, it's fun that you've joined us today, and uh, those of you who are watching this as a recording, um, hope, you know, equal good wishes to you as well at whatever time it is that you're watching this video. Um, so, Kaylin mentioned we're Prenda. We are working on a new concept for school. We call it micro schools, and you may have seen some things about it on social media or talked to friends about it. Our goal here uh, is to kind of just let you know what we're all about. Um, I'm going to just kind of tell the story and, and we'll start there as, as to how we got to what we're doing now. And then Rochelle will dig into the details and Katie's here too. She'll be really helpful for questions and things like that. So, um, Kaylin, if you switch me over to the next slide, I can kind of give the backdrop here. Um, Prenda's mission 
we um, you know, went through a whole exercise. It was interesting to talk about all the different things that you can be doing as you start a new concept for school. Um, we landed on two words, empower learners. And you might think, and this happens, you know, uh, that's cheesy, that's generic, everybody's trying to empower learners. But I would encourage you to stop for just a second and think about what it actually means, one, to be a learner. What, what is a learner? Uh, one of the things we noticed was that learner is an identity. It's a posture towards the world. It's a way of engaging and interacting with um, everything around you, with other people, with all the information that's available. And, um, and it's a choice, it's a decision to be that way. It's a decision and practice, right? And once you've decided, I'm gonna be a learner, there's these skills and abilities that you can practice to get better at being a learner. Uh, one of the in interesting things about being a learner is it, it makes for obviously an easier time at school and through your academic career, but it actually transcends that. It goes throughout your life. Um, I have a friend that's in her 60s who recently started piano lessons and um, taught herself you know, some songs or with a teacher decided to you know, figure out and she performed a, a song on the piano. I was so proud of her as somebody who, you know, in your 60s, you might not think, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go pick, pick up piano or learn a new instrument. But that's a mindset, right? And it's a, um, it's a decision that this friend of mine made to be a learner. So I wanted to just kind of throw that out and talk a little bit about what that means and just invite you to think about it. Being a learner, in my opinion, is the most powerful thing I mean, short of like blowing things up with lasers out of your wrists, like which may be slightly more powerful, um, learning is power. And, and this is the real message that, that we're all about at Prenda is we want you to see that. Um, and I feel like the earlier we can get that message into your head and we can captivate, you know, your sense of power um, and help you see what, what you're able to accomplish as a learner, uh, the, the better off you'll be it compounds through your life. You'll have multiple experiences learning things and achieving through your learning. So empower learners. You might've thought I was just going to gloss over this slide, but I didn't. I spent a lot of time on it and that's important. Um, we really do everything. You'll see everything we talk about really coming back to this idea of empowering learners. Okay. I probably said that enough times. So we started um, with a code club. I sold a software business in 2013 and um, I came back to Mesa, which I grew up in Mesa, but I had left. I had done grad school at MIT in Boston, and I had done a tech company in the San Francisco area, and I had worked for another big business in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and I ended up building and selling the small software company. And my, my oldest son, so we moved back to Mesa. My oldest son is eight years old, and he's just starting to look into computer programming. He's like, I'm teaching him how to like move like logic blocks around. And, and I said, I had this moment where I was like, you know what? you should learn how to code because it'll help you in your life. And also it's fun. And also all the information's free on the internet. You could learn, anybody who wants to could learn how to code. And I kind of scratched my head and I said, well, why don't people learn how to code? You know, and I started, um, I put up some posters around Mesa Drive and University, if you know the, the Mesa area, um, right around the, the Mesa Public Library. And I said, hey, come down to the library. I'll teach you how to make a video game. And, and guess what? kids showed up and uh, it was just me kind of making it up. Never meant to be anything, right? It was just a way to kind of do something fun in the community. Um, every week we were there and kids just came and they came again and they brought their friends and it got this kind of life of its own. Um, and that eventually scaled up. It grew to a, um, a network of code clubs that are actually happening still all over the United States. I think we're in 35 states 
and mostly at public libraries where you have um, kids coming together after school and learning computer programming. And as I watched, I realized two things, and this is the next slide. Um, there's two kind of insights that I learned from, from Code Club. One is that learning is a choice. So these kids, uh, I, had, I had talked to them, I got to know a lot of these kids. I had seen them gripe the way all kids gripe about you know, fractions or um, commas or whatever they were learning at school. And they would come to me and be like, ah, oh, school was so stupid, it was so hard, I had to do this. And they had this like attitude about school and then I would watch them go try to make a video game and they're learning things like, you know, how to do these really intricate, like logical loops that would run. And they're having to think through like cognitively difficult things. Like I knew it, it was harder actually than the stuff that they were complaining about at school. And I thought, well, why would that be like, why is one way fun and one way a chore? And, um, and I realized that it comes down to this idea of a choice, right? These kids were motivated. They wanted to learn. Um, I saw a kid that was nine years old Googling trigonometric functions. He's learning sine and cosine so he could make cannons shoot the right way in a video game that he was making. I mean, nine years old, that's pretty cool. So learning is a choice. And once you decide to do it, everything, like a lot of the obstacles melt away. It just becomes uh, a very different experience. The other thing I realized, and this is related actually, is that teaching is impossible. Now, I... I get some like raised eyebrows on this one. What I mean is that if someone doesn't make a choice to learn, you really can't educate them. Like you can't do something to, to someone that doesn't want to do it. So you can get them to like fill out the worksheets. You can get them to take the test. You can get them to actually like pass from the third grade to the fourth grade, but you can't get them to really learn. And, and definitely going back to our mission of empowering learners, you can't accomplish that mission unless you recognize at the core that learning is a choice. So this sounds very like high level and philosophical, but you'll see as we talk about the rest of the model that th these philosophies and these things that we learned um, really permeate everything we do. And I got to this point watching Code Club where I said, wait a minute, maybe this is more than after school computer programming. Maybe this, is, this could be all of school. And I said to the people that I was working with, hey, what if all of school were like this? Like, what if it, what would it look like if, if you could capture this level of engagement and enthusiasm and build this like community of like active learners coming together and, and being excited about what they're doing and feeling proud of the projects they make and, and all of these things. And what would that be? And that's basically what we've tried to build with, with Prentice. So you'll see now a full curriculum, K through eight micro school, and, and Rochelle's about to talk about it, that, um, that's available to everyone in Arizona, tuition free, and we're just thrilled to offer this. We love your feedback. And um, this is all I'm going to talk. So I'm kind of like giving my little spiel is please reach out if you have ideas, if, if there's things about this that resonate with you. We definitely want to hear, um, you know, and, and engage with as many people as possible. We've been very humbled by the response and the, the excitement that we've seen among parents, just like you guys that are out there looking, you know, and thinking, is school preparing my child for life? And, and oftentimes looking for something that will you know, deliver those types of benefits. Hopefully you'll get excited about our mission as well. And, and we've had a lot of fun. Thank you for being here. Um, with that, I'm going to turn it over to Rochelle and she'll tell you uh, all the details that you probably came here um, to hear. Awesome. Thanks, Kelly. So two things that I want to talk about before I get into the model. One is uh, when Kelly was in the middle of, of ex like seeing Code Club, other libraries kind of reached out to him and wanted him to help them do the same thing. 
And in some of those places, like he could find a coding expert to run it. And in other places, he couldn't. And so it was sort of like non-technical librarians. And he watched a really interesting phenomenon that goes to this teaching is impossible idea. And I just want to punctuate that, that the conclusion he came to as he watched this process was that if there is not an adult in the room that has all the answers, kids are super empowered to figure it out themselves. So along with empowering learners, that's sort of the foundation of Prenda is that, and so we call the adult in the room a guide, not a teacher. Um, they're not there to deliver content. They're there to love, guide, and support um, and motivate. And we build in some really cool ways for them to do that. The other piece I want to talk about before I get into the actual, like what a day in the life of Prenda looks like is and it's incredibly ideologically, but as I've taught, as I've talked a lot, like probably thousands of conversations about what Prenda is. And I also had the chance to sub for six weeks for a maternity leave last semester. Um, I saw some really clear things that I think matter a lot that weren't really in the intention of creating Prenda, but have for me personally become incredibly powerful and important. So this is what I've seen, like the vast majority of, of children at a fairly early age have some sort of pain or trauma happen to them in their educational experience. And it may be minor, um, and, and to an adult it may be especially minor, whereas to a child it probably doesn't feel that minor. But sometimes it's around a subject, um, reading, writing, and math are, are three, and then, or creativity. It may be around some part of their personality that is innate to them, but for whatever reason is, is discarded by something in the, whether it's a teacher or another, a fellow student. And human nature, when we feel pain, is to take that part of us that's been hurt and make it unavailable for that same hurt again. So we put in, so like putting on a piece of armor is how we talk about it, so that that place in me that got hurt can't be hurt again. But it also covers up a part of who I am. Like I'm no longer allowing the world to see this piece of me because I am protecting it. And so one of the things that we're doing at Prenda is identifying that this is a phenomenon for, like I said, the vast majority of children, and then creating space for kids to be able to have a different experience. Uh, because most of the time, it isn't until we're in our, like, well into adulthood that we start to recognize our armor and be able to take it off. And so for us, like the first week of school, inviting our guides to, to have a conversation with, with the kids and to get vulnerable themselves and talk about places they either still have armor or have taken armor off and, and share the concept of armor so that kids can experience what that feels like and then allow them to share the places they've experienced pain. And in the process of that, collectively create a safe container. That classroom becomes a safe container where the guide can, and again, collectively, they can say, this is safe. Whenever you're ready, feel free to take that armor off because we are going to love and appreciate you wherever you are, whatever that is. And I feel like that's incredibly unique in an educational environment. And one of the most important things I find that I talk about with Prenda. So let's jump into the like actual nuts and bolts of the model. So our day is broken into three parts. There are two versions of our model. One is for kindergarten through second grade, but for simplicity, I'm gonna call the littles. And then the rest of it is third through eighth. I'll call them the bigs because I don't have an easier way to distinguish them. Um, in an ideal, ideally, our micro schools are eight to 10 students. There's a minimum of five and a maximum of 10. We love the idea of eight to 10. We think that's sort of the sweet spot. And um, 
And these happen in informal settings like homes. A lot of our classrooms are in homes. And then we have some people that have gotten really creative. Some of our classrooms are in uh, community churches. And those are really exciting to us. And we have a group in Southern Arizona that's gotten really creative. And they, there was a mall that was failing and they rented out some space in a way that has made sense for them inside of our models to so there's so the three requirements for the space are it needs to be safe, needs to have comfortable space for kids to work, and it needs to have good enough Wi-Fi that everybody can continue to work when they need Wi-Fi. So it's a really like we we give you a lot of flexibility around making this happen wherever you are and whatever it is you do. And we also in our in our guides, we don't have an education requirement. And we and the reason is we acknowledge that there are a lot of people out there who that wasn't an opportunity that presented itself in, in a lot of people's lives, but their, their life experience has brought them to a place that they would do this job brilliantly. Like they would be such a safe and loving place for kids. And we want them to have a chance to be with us as well. So we break our, our model into three parts, conquer, collaborate, and create. So I'm going to talk about conquer first. So on this next slide, you'll see that on the left, you're looking at um, it's an, it's, an image of what is part of a workbook. So Katie that's on has created a literacy program that we're really, really excited about where each new development in their, in their like literary training has a video where they have explained to them exactly what happens next and exactly what they do. And it's all self-contained and really fantastic. So in the littles, and I won't go into a lot of detail right now about what programs we use. I know for a lot of people that's really important and we can either answer those at the end or you can reach out to us after, but for the sake of time, I'm gonna give that not a lot of time. So in the littles during Conquer, they do literacy and math, and in the bigs, they do, liter uh, they do reading, writing, grammar, and math. Um, mastery based on the grammar and math, we're super excited about that. We find it incredibly important. So that's what Conquer is. One of the things that I really love about Conquer is that it's, it's a, so this is one of the ways I've started to describe Prenda. I'm a hand talker, so it seems weird to not use my hands, but um, I've been drawing a Venn diagram, which at some point will end up on our website, I'm sure, maybe not my drawing, but, um, and, it's, and it's like in that Venn diagram, taking traditional school, homeschool, online school, and Montessori, and sort of where those four models connect, that's where Prenda is. Like we've taken the sweet spot of all of those, all the things that are good about those four types of, of educational models. And we've created a model that is those. And so one of the things I love about Conquer is it's the kids, especially in the bigs, they're on a device and, and working exactly where they need to be. So in math, like it doesn't matter what grade they're in, they're gonna work where they need because we don't wanna leave gaps. And at the same time, they're not just working on that like a kid alone doing online school, but they're doing it with nine or 10 other people around a table. And I always say Prenda classrooms for the most part are not quiet places. It feels more like a beehive. Like it's a lot of energy, a lot of enthusiasm and a lot of helping of each other. So one of the things, again, to this idea of, of teaching is impossible. We train our guides when a kid asks a question in class, like a math question, for example, they're going to ideally lovingly say something like, what have you tried so far? Because the solutions are in the software and, and we have to untrain kids from the idea that adults have the answers 
and we have to untrain adults from the same thing and, and allow that to be the realm of kids. And like, you can figure this out. And for some kids, that's really, really uncomfortable because they've never, they've never been put in that place to figure something out by themselves. So once they've gone, they may come back and say, okay, I watched the video twice and I took all the hints and I still don't understand. The next thing the guide is going to say to them is something like, who else have you asked? Cause there's a pretty good chance that someone else in the room has this knowledge that is a child as well and can share it with them. And then if finally the guide really like this child has, has no other recourse, but the guide, it's not as though the guide is going to say, okay, fine, I'll give you the answer. Like in a condescending adult way, they're going to say, you know what? I'm not sure. Let's figure it out together. And that's the thing I love about conquer. The last piece I want to talk about is because of this, being able to work at your own level and being mastery based in the class that I mentioned that I subbed in the very same classroom that was all fifth and sixth graders. We had somebody finishing eighth grade math as a sixth grader, somebody working in third grade math as a fifth grader. And then another kid that came in at the end of the year who's dyslexic, um, likely hadn't been diagnosed, has an IEP. And when his mom called, I was like, I have no idea if we can serve him because, you know, he reads between his first and second grade level. And he came in we had a, with his permission, we had a class conversation about his brain and the help he needed and things. And over time, like by the second week, he got in the car and his mom said that he was like, mom, they like me. And it was huge because he got to be a sixth grader with a bunch of sixth graders, but he was working at second grade because that's exactly where he needed to work. And that's what I love about Conquer is it gives that kind of flexibility. So that's the first part of our day. So in the bigs, it's 90 to 120 minutes. In the littles, it's about an hour. Um, I should mention that our day um, in the K through twos is 16 hours a week. Most of our classrooms are four, four hour days. Um, three, five hour days is another option. And in our bigs, it's a minimum of 20 hours in the classroom. Most of our classrooms are doing four, five hour days. So the next part of our model, the middle part. So we kind of like in conquer, it's sort of a like sit at the table with your computer and let's get to work and in collaborate. If it's possible, we go into a less formal setting. So you can see these kids like around couch on like a living room is a good. And if living room isn't space, like a set of bean bags, like I've had guides get super creative about ways to make this space um, something that sort of shifts the mindset from your own goals, which I actually didn't mention. And will now we start the beginning of every day with a stand-up meeting where every kid gives their goals for all of the topics that they're going to be covering that day. And they're holding themselves accountable and our software holds them accountable and their classmates hold them accountable. So that's a really cool, just this idea of having a big goal that's kind of year long that they're taking little chunks out of every day. And they know every Prenda kid knows exactly what percentage they're in in math every single day. And I thought that was super cool. So in collaborate in the littles, we cycle through four activities Katie might need to help me, but I think I remember them. So they are nature study. So they'll like go on a walk outside and bring back some sort of specimen they found, share it with their classmates, maybe sketch it in their notebook and, and just have this experience of nature and being together. Another thing they'll do is uh, they'll do a science project once a week. They'll do something called time travel, which we do with the bigs as well, where they have a map of the world and a timeline and, and the child that is in charge that day gets to choose a spot on the map and a spot on the timeline. And they research that time and place together in history with their guide's help. And it may be that that is related to something that they've been reading. Like one of our guides was telling me they had just read a book about Rosa Parks and the guide said, hey, do you guys want to do Rosa Parks for time travel next time? And so they learned where she was in Montgomery and things like that. 
And then the fourth one is uh, show and tell. And the really cool thing, like show and tell is a pretty basic thing. And I never really thought about the value of show and tell. One, it's a kid getting to be on stage. Like they talk about presenting being one of the greatest fears people have. But they also, they learn to have eye, use eye contact and appropriate questions and listen to each other and all of these like social skills that are really important. So in the littles, that's what collaborate looks like. In the bigs, we talk, we do debate once a week. And so we find that to be really, it's really fun to have third and fourth graders. These, these pictures are from Kelly's classroom last year. And um, these guys learn to debate. And some days their debates were like, like train wrecks and some days they like had the best like you could tell that they were figuring out but the best part of it is at the beginning of the debate they have a paper and they have to prepare we look at this the world we live in right now is so in, incredibly polarized and we look at that and we go being able to see both sides of an argument what an incredible skill set to give a, a child who's like in third fourth fifth grade like that is fantastic and then and then them being able to also listen so that they can rebut so they do actual like legitimate debates my favorite debate that kelly's class ever did was should you give the mouse the cookie so if you're a parent and you have the book should you give a mouse a cookie um it's one of my favorites that was a fun thing for them to debate and i don't actually know who won that debate i was it a yes kelly was that a yes answer I'm trying to remember. I think they said, um, I think they said, yes, you should give them us. <laughs> Perfect. So, um, so in collaborate, we have debate, like I said, Socratic discussion, again, really important skills, also a science project, also something similar to time travel that we call exploration with the map and the timeline. And, um, one of the, so we have a classroom on the San Carlos reservation. It's a classroom that we are seeing make a big impact on these kids' lives. And one of my favorite things they did one day, the guide got super creative and they decided as part of sort of the exploration time travel piece that they were going to be tour guides. They were gonna choose an area to be tour guides somewhere in the world. And they made name tags for themselves. And then they took their chairs and this was just like their creation. They lined up their chairs and the chair was their vehicle to take them through like the explanation of the person that was their tour guide in that place. And so one of the cool things they did was when they went to London, they had to stand on their chairs because they were then on a double decker tour bus. And that would make that so that they could see better when they're on their tour. And I just thought like they're coming people, the guides and kids in our classrooms are coming up with some of the like stuff we never again, because when you give it the control and the agency to kids, they're going to do super cool stuff with it. And and they're showing that. So that's what Collaborate is. And it's this time, one of the things I've noticed, I, I was talking to a mom a couple of weeks ago and she said she, her concern was that eight to 10 kids was not enough like social and, and her child goes to a traditional classroom. And I said, tell me in your child's classroom of 27 kids, how much actual social interaction there is when there's instruction happening. And it was like, if there's any, they're gonna be in trouble for it. <laughs> and in the traditional model, we call Collaborate cheating. Like there just isn't an opportunity really to work together with people. And it's a skill set all of us that have jobs know that we need. So that's collaborate. The next part of our model is called create. And let me walk you through the K2s really fast. Same kind of thing. They have four, um, they have four things like, I don't even know what the word is. We're going to say things that they walk through. And um, actually, Katie, can I give you, can I hand off to you to explain create? 
Yeah, can you guys hear me? Okay. Um, yeah, so again, there's four activities that they rotate through and um, my memory is really bad too, Rochelle, so feel free to help me too. The first one is picture composer study. So they um, have an opportunity to study a famous artist and famous composer. So they're getting that art and music feel. And then the next one is hands-on art. They do an art project often based on the style of the artist that they are studying. And then they do imagination station where they get a bunch of um, little problem solve, creative problem solving prompts that they have to solve. And then we give them tape and cardboard and string and all sorts of just like recycled garbage essentially that's donated by their parents. And we give them prompts like, oh no, a local volcano is about to erupt. Looks like you're gonna need some lava shoes. And then they have to build lava shoes. Or my other favorite one is, you've been invited to a fancy hat party, but all of your hats have been eaten by snakes. You have to build a hat that will get you into the party. So all of these like funny prompts that they have to problem solve then, and they can work by themselves, they can work in groups. Um, anything that they want. And it's really fun to see all of the creativity that comes out of that. And then the last one is choose your own adventure writing. So we, they can either choose to write about whatever they want, or we'll give them a little st story prompt. Like you're in the middle of the ocean and your boat has sprung a leak and then you see a dot, dot, dot. And then that's like a story starter for them. And then they can come up with their own unique um, story from that and then they write it based on their writing level and illustrate it and share it with the group um, and they have a ton of fun with that so those are the create activities back to you Rochelle thank you so much that's awesome I love I, I love our k2 program this year so so one of the things that everybody needs to know is Prenda is a work in progress I feel like because we are who we are it will always be a work in progress because we'll never be satisfied with where we are we will always be like evolving and we evolve quickly and well i would say and so this year um, it wasn't originally intention we weren't intending to serve k2 but we've put this together so all of our k2 classrooms this year will be pilots um, and we have this really incredible model already put together for our pilot programs and then we'll also have some junior high pilot programs where we've never had like exclusively junior high classrooms as well. And I'll talk a little bit more about that. So in create in the older kids, we've built into our software, a map of the world and they can go into that map and go into different ecosystems. So in the rainforest or the Saharas or the Himalayas and inside of that, there are little icons that they get to choose from and they can read through in this, this create project. So it's called create because there's always a product at the end. And sometimes it's a digital product and sometimes it's a physical product, but they get to go through and choose exactly what it is that they're like working on and building and doing. And sometimes most often it's partner based every now and then they'll do one on their own. And so my daughter was in Prenda at the end of last year, she joined the class that I was subbing and a couple of examples of create projects that she did. She did an interview. They had to research somebody famous. They found a conquistador and she speaks Spanish fairly well. And so she took her ponytail and turned it into a beard. And she was the conquistador. And her like study partner would ask her questions in English and she would answer them in Spanish. And they made this video. So the video was the product at the end. And they loved what they learned and they had a really good time. And, and she got to work a little more on her Spanish in the process. And then 
it with another partner. She was in the Great Barrier Reef ecosystem and studying plants, animals, and corals, and made a di they together made a diorama of what they found. So Create has something that they end up with at the end. And it's a time, like there's so much, ev there's so much evidence of the power of project-based learning and being able to create stuff. And, and the beautiful thing is they're choosing and they, they span all subjects. There's science in there, there's history in there, there's writing in there, but it's not like they're going, I'm doing science. Like they're, they're picking something they're really excited about doing. And so the, the cool byproduct for us is that they're doing science and they're doing something they're really excited about. And so it, it just works. It works where they are getting all the things we need them to get out of their educational experience and they are getting like a really good time. So I want to go back to Sean is the name of the kid who um, was at a second grade reading level and, and school had annihilated him because of his brain and the capabilities of his brain at that point. And it had done a lot of damage. And, and when he started coming to his Prenda class, it was a four day week, every Friday morning he would wake up and cry because he didn't get to go to school and do Prenda for that day. And I was like, how powerful is that? That this kid who has just had one bad experience after another because of something he can't control and he gets come to into place where he gets to learn and be loved and get exactly what he needs. So I think it's really powerful. Um, I don't know what the next slide is. So why don't you go to that? Rochelle, can we, can we pause for just a second and, and answer a question? Absolutely. Um, so I guess, first of all, I just want to mention that uh, if you have any questions as you're watching and listening to this, please, uh, the best place to ask those questions is in the chat in, in YouTube. Um, so just paste your, or type your questions into the chat. I'm watching the chat, so um, we'll try to answer those questions as it makes sense. Um, we'll, we'll have some more time for questions at the end as well. So, uh, pay, you know, type in your questions there. The question that we had from from Ree Caswell is how much space is required for five kindergartners? I would love to do this in my home, but it is small. That's a really great question. I'm gonna punt it to Kelly. Unmuting, I'm unmuted. Hey, um, that, that is a great question. We don't specify square footage. Like, um, so this is one of those cases where it's, it's really, um, it's something for you to kind of decide. Obviously we wanna make sure that Everybody can be safe and comfortable. Um, and if it, if it makes sense, we can just talk to you about it like one-on-one. -on -one. I think, I believe we've built this in as like a, we'll kind of walk through your home with you over FaceTime or something before, before you get started or as, as part of your onboarding. So um, yeah, that's something we'd be happy to like look at with you. And then there's lots of other um, creative options that we, we've worked out with, with people that, you know, for whatever reason, if it doesn't work in your home, um, within your community, you should be able to find something. So just reach out um, directly and we'll help solve that problem. Awesome. Any others, Kaylin? That's it for now. Okay. So, and go ahead. So this was the create, this is the slide I was supposed to go to, but I'm not good at that. <laughs> so here is uh, a video. I'm going to guess a lot of you have had this email to you. Um, if you, we can put this link in the chat. Um, so that you can yeah, watch this it right video. Now. Uh, it's not, it doesn't, and then we'll go ahead and move on to the next slide. Okay, so I wanna to talk to people that wanna do a micro school. Um, in, the, in our model, like I said, we'll go ahead and go to the next slide. There's a couple of, 
So this is, it's okay to 15 to 16 hours in person. We talked about this and then, and then they do an additional, not the kindergartners, but the first and second graders will do an additional four to five hours in their home to total 20. Ideally that's being read to or reading depending on their skill level. And then in the third to eighth graders, they'll do an additional five hours at home. It says six to eight. It's more like five or six. And, and those are logged in as bonus time. And we can talk more about that um, to anybody that has specific questions about that. And then there's so much really fantastic flexibility. So when a guide sets this up and has parents bring their kids there, that collective then gets to make all of the decisions about the calendaring. So we do all of our um, like keeping track by instructional hours, not days in school. And so if a group says, you know what, we want to take an extra two days at Thanksgiving, that's totally fine. And you can make it up and it's really simple to make up. So there's a lot of really cool flexibility about not just the day, the hours every day, but the days on the calendar year. And we'll, there we go. So five is the minimum. Um, and, and our ideal K2 is somewhere between six and 10. We'll allow for 10 in a K2. If a, if a K2 instructor decides to go above that eight and go up to 10, we're just letting them know there's a little bit, those K2s are gonna take a little bit more like engagement and interaction. But we believe there are people out there that can really well like manage that and do a really good job with 10 kids in there. So we don't have a limit. Um, we don't have a limited eight. It's at 10. That six to eight is what kind of we consider ideal for somebody who's walking in. That's so you guys, this is the coolest part to this. You don't have to have anything. Um, like there are people that are like, I just don't know if I could do this. And, and my question is, can you love kids? Like, are you capable of loving kids and, and having patience? And if you have those two things, I would say that you're definitely capable of doing this. And it's, a, and talk about like the amount of, of just feel good about yourself that you're going to get as you walk these kids through their process of figuring out who they are in a way that most educational models don't allow for. So that's classroom size. And go ahead in the next slide. Okay. So Kaylin, do you want to walk through a little bit about um, this slide? I know you weren't going to talk a lot, but I would love to have you kind of address this. Yeah, totally. Um, let me see if I can. Sorry, I'm trying to get the cameras right. Okay. Um, yeah, so uh, in terms of next steps, um, we've set up an online form for you to be able to kind of express interest, express interest and, and say uh, whether or not you'd um, you'd like to get more information as a potential guide, or if you're just interested in enrolling your kids in a micro school, um, we've, we've got resources to help potentially match you uh, with, with a micro school, depending on where you're at and what availability there is. Rochelle's gonna talk about other options, which are probably more feasible. We're growing rapidly, but, but we, have, um, we have more demand for, for guides than we currently uh, can service, and so we're always looking for good good guides. Rochelle will talk about that, but I'm going to paste a link in the chat um, that you can use to to say, hey, I'm ready to take the next step, and I'll do that right now while Rochelle explains the other steps. Okay, so finding other parents who are, so again, if you're a parent and you've seen this, if there isn't a micro school nearby, then finding other parents to to connect with and just reaching out into your community. And we have some tools that will help you kind of like identify somebody you might be thinking of 
that you might not be thinking of that would be a really great guide. So how do we start? Um, then you need a space. So one of our, we only, let me just give you a sense of our growth pattern. So we had our very first classroom three semesters ago. So spring semester of 2018, Kelly had the grand experiment of seven kids in his home that were middle school aged. And he was like, let's see if this thing actually works. And it worked really well. And then the next fall, he's like, okay, hey, we're gonna do this again. So he had a classroom in his home and there was a mom who was really, really interested for her sixth grader in this class I helped sub. And she was so interested that she said, I'm going to let, I'm going to, we're going to use my home. So both parents work. And she said, we're going to use my home and I'm going to find a family friend to be the guide. And that's what they did. So if you have a child, um, you could be the guide to that child if that calls to you, or you could like reach out into your network to find somebody that would be really great. And and again, we've like identified some ways to help you do that as you move forward. So go ahead and show me the guide slide again, Kaylin. So become a guide, highly rewarding. I'm not going to read this to you, but we pay um, in our third through eighth classes, $3 per student per hour in our K2 classes, $4 per student per hour. And the K2 is, is that we give a little bit more there because there's more kind of actual work involved in that. And also they have fewer number of hours. So we wanted, we, want, we really want our K2s to happen because we've had in the last year, so last year we started with three classrooms at the beginning of the year, started the semester with seven classrooms and we're on track to have something like 60 to 80 classrooms this coming fall. And, and we're super, super excited about that. And we've seen what's happened in these kids that have been in, in our classrooms, most of them were older for a year, and think what happens when we take a kid starting in kindergarten, first or second, and then they have three or four years of this kind of education in print. Like we really have no idea what, what will happen for these kids because we haven't seen it yet, but we're super excited to find out. And we want to have enough spaces for all of the little kids that, the littles that want to come be with us. Um, this is a fantastic way to connect with your community. I find that our guides have, have found themselves connecting in ways that, that hasn't been possible in the past. Um, Kaylin, is there a slide after that? Build something awesome. That's what we're looking for. We would, any of you, just know that, um, that we're new and there's a little bit of risk that comes with us as we figure things out. We feel like for a lot of people, it's a lot less risk than, than your specific child may run into in a traditional model. And, and we feel like if, you're, if, if your situation for your kids, if, um, if fine isn't good enough, like this may be a fit for you. If your child has struggled, this may be a fit for you. If you're an overwhelmed homeschool mom that's only homeschooling because they can't find any other option, this may be a fit for you. And, um, and if you're just an out of the box forward thinker and can see down the future down the road, this may be a fit for you. And we would love to have you come join us. We're super excited. Kelly, anything you want to say closing? Just thank you for being here and please don't hesitate to reach out. You can tell hopefully from this that we're pretty open people and we like to engage. So reach out anytime. I just want to jump in. I just want to jump in real quick. Sorry, Kelly, didn't mean to cut you off there. Um, we just had a couple of questions I want to bring up before we close here. Um, one was from Stephanie. She says, Does Prenda only pos is Prenda only possible to implement in the US where in Europe looks interesting for our kids? Thanks. And then the second question, I'll just go ahead and say both of them so you can answer them in whatever order makes sense. 
Um, the second one is from Vanessa. She says, what if we have kids in multiple grades? Rochelle, I'm going to give you the multiple grade ones. Let me talk to Stephanie really quick about um, doing this in Europe. I'm thrilled that you're here and um, excited about it. We have a regulatory structure that allows us to make Prenda tuition free inside of Arizona through various partnerships. Um, but that's limited to one U.S. state specifically. Everywhere else, uh, we actually are opening a uh, private school program. So everything that you just heard applies, but you would need to sort of organize a group of parents that's willing to pay tuition and then put that tuition together. The goal is for this to be low cost. Um, so depending on, on where you're at, um, I've spent a lot of time in California recently. And, you know, in California, it's, you know, $24,000 US is a pretty normal tuition. We said, well, that's way too much to pay for school. But what if people paid $10,000 for the school year? Um, and that adds up to paying a guide more than they would make at any, you know, traditional teaching job. Um, and, and still allowing us to, um, you know, provide the, the services and everything we're doing. So love to work with you. Uh, again, just reach out. I think Kaylin put the form or, um, there's probably other ways to catch us. So yeah, just reach out. We'd love to talk to you about that. And as far as multiple grade levels go, there's a couple of solutions. One is, um, some classrooms span a bigger grade range than our ideal three grade range. And, and then if there are classrooms available like there we're finding that in neighborhoods like we'll get multiple classrooms that are close enough that that a parent can do a drop off to a couple of different locations um, and in a couple of places we're even having multiple classrooms inside the same location um, and so again we just keep seeing people get creative about this i would love to have you reach out with sort of your specific location and grade levels but it we definitely can meet the needs and and sometimes that range will be bigger and it's not all cons when that like there's pros and cons to all of it. But one of the pros when the range is a little bit bigger is there's a really awesome opportunity to get some mentorship in for those older kids to those younger kids. So just reach out to us and we can answer kind of get more specific about your situation. Awesome. Well, I think that's, I think that's all the questions that we have for now. Um, I'll just kind of wrap things up and say uh, thank you to everybody who's been watching and who's asked questions. Um, like, like Rochelle and Kelly both said, we're very open. If you, uh, one of the places you can go if you'd like to learn more is um, prendaschool.com slash events, or you can just go to prendaschool.com and there's a variety of ways to get in touch with us. Um, we guarantee that you're going to talk to a human being if you, if you ask for information through our website. Um, there are human beings on the other side of that. Many times it's us in some shape or another um, answering your questions and getting in touch with you. So um, yeah, we're just grateful to have you here and, uh, and look forward to talking to you soon. Thanks everybody.